Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is April 3rd, 2022. Time is... I have no idea what time it is because this computer says the wrong time. Anyway, joining me this evening is Al, Big Daddy Prep. What's up, Al? How are you? Yeah, that, that, that uh, clock on the computer is about like my whole week has been. It ain't there. <laughs> I, I've had that week exactly like that. Technology has not been my friend this week, but... See, I'll, anyway. I'll tell you, this this has been one of those weeks that has flew by, but in slow motion fly by. Yep, yep. And, and yep. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to people out there, but it's like I've been going so nonstop, and it's just, I feel like the things I'm doing are just taking so long to do. Me too. I um, feel like I, I'm, I got... I'm doing 20 hours worth of stuff at one time, and like the day is like 36 hours long, but I achieve nothing in the 36 hours. You know what I mean? It's like nothing happens good. I'm like that. <laughs> See, for me, it's it's kind of like if I don't do a bunch of stuff, I feel very unaccomplished. So I have to like push, 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 push. You know, and it's I, I have to have that feeling of accomplishment. It's really weird. Um, but to get into this episode, so this episode is entitled Apartment Survival, and this was requested through some people on TikTok. And this is a really good topic, guys, because I think that I think a lot of us kind of negate the idea that there are going to be people stuck in apartments. There are going to be people that aren't going to be able to get out or go anywhere. And the rules for prepping in an apartment are a bit different. Yes, there's a lot more. There's a lot different factors to play in here. There's a ton of different factors. Ton. I mean, they're not like us. They don't have as much room. They don't. They might be stacked on top of each other. Literally. Exactly. And the first, the first thing I'd have to say is, I mean, if you are a prepper, it should be your goal to kind of get out of your apartment at some point and, and move to a rural area. But I understand not everybody has that option. So that's why we're doing this episode. The first thing. I'd like to point out, which I think is one of the biggest dangers with an apartment would just be fires in general. Now, you ask yourself, well, why would we have fires? Why would that be something of significance? Well, you think doomsday apocalyptic situation, civil unrest, people are lighting stuff on fire, people are burning stuff to the ground, throwing Molotov cocktails through windows, that kind of shit. So you're, you know, fire is a big danger. Now, I just want to tackle a few things with this fire thing. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but number one is knowing where your fire exits are, knowing the layout of the building, knowing how to get out first and foremost. Don't make the mistake of taking stuff with you, you know, get yourself out, get your family out. That's first and foremost, right? 
if you're on a maybe one-story apartment or two-story apartment, they do sell escape ladders for the windows. Say you run out of your apartment, the hallway's on fire, you can't get out. They do sell those escape ladders. They're relatively inexpensive. I don't. I personally wouldn't feel comfortable utilizing one of these things above two stories. That's that's me. Uh, I don't like heights, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I've got used to them, but I don't like them. To, yeah, I'm with you. So a couple more things to take into consideration. A lot of preppers have get have gas masks. These will aid in the event of getting out if there is a lot of smoke within the building. Not necessarily for the respiratory side of this, but to keep the smoke out of your eyes and to help you prevent you from being less disoriented as you're trying to get out of the apartment. Uh, the other thing is keeping a couple fire extinguishers in your apartment is a good idea. If there is a situation where you need to extinguish fire that's in your escape path, you'll be able to do that. So having fire extinguishers is good. Also, another good thing to have in this, in this situation too would be um, heavy wool blankets to wet down so you can exit the building. Okay. Um, thick wool, uh, being, being wet is going to help prevent smoke from coming through. So if you're breathing through that, it's going to help you, uh, if there's embers and things falling, it's going to prevent you from getting burned. Although heavy, it's, it's going to aid in you escaping. Uh, that's other than that, I really can't add too much more to the fire side of this other than it's one of the biggest dangers you need to be worried about. You know, have your smoke alarms, have your smoke detectors. Uh, if you hear that thing constantly beeping that the batteries are dying, change them. You know, don't right. don't take that lightly. Right. Well, just yeah. let me throw in a couple of things about the fire, okay? Everyone out there, no matter where you're at, apartment dwellers certainly are, are, are in this. But anyone, understand that anytime you're breathing smoke, wood smoke is bad for your lungs. Anything else that's burning in a fire that's worse than, than wood smoke, like burning plastics and, 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 you know, styrofoam, things like that, it's not just bad for you. It could potentially be lethal and not lethal over the long run. I mean, lethal on the very short run. So anytime you have an opportunity for clean air to breathe over the smoke, you want to take it. So if that means having to take a window out or something like that to get some fresh air for you or whoever, take that opportunity to do it. Do what you have to do. Break the window, bust down the door, whatever you need to do to get fresh air. Okay. Because you're not going to have any fight in the game if you're breathing smoke because there's a very good chance you're going to be out very quickly. Now, I'm just going to say that first off because breathing smoke is very bad, very bad at all, okay? But remember, as you're trying to get through that smoke and you're going to be breathing in a lot more oxygen, you're going to be breathing a lot more, okay? Because one, you're going to be upset. Two, you're going to be using, you're going to be physically exerting yourself. So don't try to take half the world with you, folks, because if it is a fire, you need to get out, if you can get out with a couple items, you're doing good. But there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to get out with all you think you need to. And those items, you can't have them weighing you down. You need to get them. Right. I don't know how exactly. to say it. Be, be cautious. You can't take 500 pounds with you and carry out everything that your family's had for the last 15 years and get out of a smoky environment. It's the best thing to do is to get out and let some things be gone. I'll just say it like that. No, I, I understand. And now that the wheels are turning with this whole fire thing, after you mentioned some things, I'm going back to all the training I've had over the years and, and I reverted back. Now, now that the wheels are spinning, 
couple more things I'd like to add in there. Uh, number one, stay low. Stay low yes. because smoke stays high. Heat rises, smoke rises, stay low to the ground. You're going to have more oxygen at a lower level. So crawl as opposed to having your head up in the smoke. Right. Uh, another thing is identifying uh, heat sources and fire on the other side of doors. Touch the door before you touch the knob, preferably with the back of the hand. If the door's hot, you're going to know there's fire on the other side. You're going to know that you're potentially entering an even more dangerous area. Right. Uh, if you have to open that door and you know that doorknob is like scorching hot, find something else to open it with. Right. Burns on the palm of your hands and fingertips are excruciating. So having anything, a sock, an oven mitt to knock these door handles open is going to prove to be beneficial. But if that door's that hot, you probably don't want to go that any go that route anyway. I agree totally, totally. So it, it fire's not good. There's nothing no, fire, good about fire. No, and that's that's why I felt I wanted to address that first with the apartment prepping because I just figure a lot of situations that could go wrong could lead into the apartment fire scenario. Absolutely. So I figured Absolutely. it was a good thing to good thing to start with anyway. And apartment um, preppers just are all like regular preppers. They have to cover the bases too. I mean, the bases of drinking water, food, heat source, things like that. It's no different in that aspect. It's just the way you attack it has to be differently. You know, I mean, you're going to need food. You're going to need clean water. You're going to need heat, those type of things. But you can't do it like you can do at a regular open area or a country area. You know, it's such a tiny spot, you know, you have to kind of condense everything and use good sense about it. So let's get in. Um, let's get before we get into the, the food and the water and stuff like that. One side I wanted to get into was uh, escape and evading the apartment. If, if you're if you're having to bug out and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just going to touch on this really briefly, because I think a lot of you guys are already preppers. A lot of you guys are already there, especially the people that requested this episode. I think they're already there with this. Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Keeping stuff in your vehicle in the event that you have to go is the good thing to do. Having the go bag already in your vehicle, maybe having a few MREs in there, um, may, maybe uh, some extra ammunition. You know, if you have to get out of that apartment in a hurry, you want to have everything just pretty much ready to go to bug out if that's your plan. Correct. But but again, I think a lot of our preppers kind of already have that mentality and they're already with that. But yes, Al, let's get in. Let's get into the water side of this. Okay. Well, let, let me let me say one thing before I say the water. Uh, let me just one thing that you said about that. I want to interject. Don't advertise that you're a prepper and you're prepping and all your stuff is in a vehicle or it's all here, it's all there. Try to keep that as low key as possible. Disguise it. I mean, there's nothing says, "Hey, I want to take your stuff." Any more than a bad situation, everybody hungry and they know you've got the only meal in town. So disguise your things don't advertise what you're doing don't let everybody in on a, in, a, in a very enclosed situation like maybe in a city or urban area that you're what you're doing because you'll definitely become a target then i just want to interject that right there but uh, talking about water uh you can't depend on municipal water sources to be a good water source that's frankly i mean look at flint michigan 
Lord, their water was made way worse than anywhere else I know of in the country. And that was a city municipal water source. So you need to be able to take water that you assume coming out of the faucet is going to be clean and good for you to drink and filter that because it's probably not that good of water. And in a bad grid down situation or even in a power off electrical situation, not all the components that have to do with good water um sterilization are being used so being able to filter water properly whether it's a a commercially bought water filter system or one that you make yourself and then boil afterwards understanding how to do that properly is is a good thing because you might not be able to go to the tap turn the water on and get good water out if you do get water out so uh, exactly and just to throw something out there to, to correlate with what al said you know we're always talking about the sawyer minis on tiktok and on the lives and in the show they do sell one now that attaches to the faucet yes so yes. The, that is that is a new thing that they just came out with well i don't know if they just came out with but it's i've seen them recently so if you're in an apartment and you're trying to get that fresh water if you think that it could possibly be contaminated they have the faucet attachment now not that you would necessarily need it because as long as you have flowing water you could fill up the Sawyer bags anyway and filter it that way. So there's, for me, there's two sides to this water thing. There's the event, you know, something's coming, like there's a tornado coming, there's a hurricane coming, something foreseeable. In that instance, it's very easy to fill up the bathtub, fill up some containers you have laying around. You can buy one of those water bobs that goes in the bathtub to allow you to have all that extra stored water. That's a way to do it. Now, when you're talking about the disaster side, like nothing foreseen, okay, it's a little bit different. You're not going to do rainwater collection in an apartment. At least I don't think you would be able to. Unless you have like a little patio outside and there's a downspout running right there, maybe you could set up something for rain collection. But what everybody needs to remember is water has to be pumped up into an apartment, okay? What this isn't like a natural natural gravity flow uh, flowing thing. If the grid goes down, those pumps aren't pumping. You're not going to get that water. Okay, I I mean we all know the general rule of having uh, one gallon per person per day. You as yourself, if you're in the apartment and you're prepping, you need to ask yourself what kind of water do you need to have there. And if you say, well, I'm going to prep for 30 days with no water. Well, 31 gallon jugs of water put in the closet somewhere, maybe under the bed back of the pantry uh you know somewhere being stored out of the way it that's going to be way more beneficial than not having anything i can tell you that. i agree i agree and and the, i'm sorry wait, i'll go ahead no i i was i was just saying that no matter whether you know the water's clean or not even if you haven't opened up the water this that, and that if you think of something is contaminated if nothing else, give it a boil, even if it's for two or three minutes, because you can never tell if something's been contaminated by something else. A boil always usually takes care of most everything in it. I mean, it could be nice, clean, clear water and still have some microbes or something in it. So just don't assume if you did collect rainwater that it's just, quote unquote, good water. You'll want to boil it no matter what. Yeah, I want I 100% agree. And uh, just to go back what I was going to say about these one gallon jugs, guys, if you're bugging out of the apartment, you're not taking the water with you. Water is eight pounds per gallon. It's extremely heavy to carry. You're not you're not doing it. So for me, the idea of having the one gallon jugs of water, it's just easier to manage. 
that's it. It's just an easier thing to manage. You know, you got 30, 30 there for one person. It's, it's easy math. It's, it's just way easier guys. And nobody is going to bat an eye to you. You know, if you're slowly stalking your neighbors in your apartment are not even going to think twice if you're carrying in a couple gallons of water every other day, like no one's going to bat an eye to that. They're not going to think you're a prepper. They're probably going to think, Oh shit, this guy just doesn't like the tap water. Right. Very much. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit more incognito. And I mean, really at the end of the day, water is one of the biggest preps. And I mean, it's cheap. A gallon of water runs about a dollar in most places. So for 30 bucks, you could have a 30 day water supply approximately, you know, I know it varies depending on where you're at and you're good to go for at least 30 days. Right. Most of the urban situations that we're talking about that where most apartments would be, the water that's around that's not watered out of the tap is awful water. So you really need to look at the, the long terms of, hey, two or three jugs of water this week, every week for a month, two months like that. So it's a very small price to pay compared to going and taking some really awful, nasty water, trying to clean it, filter it, boil it. You know, you don't know what the conditions are going to be. I assure you, take the easy route right now. Put some away every week now. It will benefit you. Now, me in the country, I mean, I've got friends with wells all around. I have a river close to me. I can do a lot better off than you would be able to do. And I I know, Jester, I know you're not really in an urban, urban area. So I'm sure you're in the, you're the same situation where you could go readily get water. But in the city, the water that's available around you is usually not anything that you'd want to drink. Exactly. Yeah, I have I have springs here I could pull from, and, and I'm, I'm good in that sense. I know a lot of people aren't, though. Right. But I think, I think we should definitely, you know, moving on from the water, I think we should definitely get into the food side of this as well. I totally agree. Food's going to be your big thing. And understanding how food is digested and understanding what you need food-wise makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the micronutrients are in foods. They, they absorb in your body and they're digested in, in different some require more water than others do. Some require a longer time to digest. You know, proteins take a longer time to digest and they need more water. So getting food stocks now, you don't want to just go, okay, I've got 500 gallons of peanut butter here and I'm, I'm good to go. No, you're going to get tired after a peanut butter after a couple of days. So you have to mix up your pantry, the things that you know that you like, know that you can eat and that are going to be shelf stable, whether it be canned or preserved or whatever. But a lot of people think that frozen and refrigerated things, those are not shelf stable things. When the freezer or, or the power goes out, if it goes out, those things are going to be gone to you very quickly, like 48 hours tops for most things. So having that in mind, that's how you start making your prepper list and making a plan. Okay, so I would like to say on this, and I, I'm not against stocking up canned goods. I stock plenty of canned goods, mm-hmm. but I think it's a little bit more beneficial to stock the canned goods in the apartment. And I'm going to tell you guys why. For me, out here in the country, and for everybody that's bugging out, I highly recommend the freeze dried food because of the shelf life. As long as you have access to water, you're going to be good. Right. In the apartment, you might be very limited on the water side of things you might be very limited on being able to have a heat source to cook with a lot of these canned good foods they're edible right out of the can they don't require you to cook them right Right. 
you could eat the tuna right out of the can, the green beans, the baked beans. You know, this stuff is edible right out of the can, and it's already hydrated. Okay, so you're not having to go through the tr trouble of, you know, boiling water or heating up water and adding it to your freeze dried food or your survival food, things like that. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. And once again, the incognito side of this is if you're, you know, bringing in a few extra canned goods a week, your neighbors are not going to bat an eye to this. It's, it's not going to be something that raises a red flag. And one thing I learned about, cause I've lived in an apartment before. The one thing I learned about living in an apartment is everybody's in everybody else's business. Like if somebody gets a new TV, you see them bring that TV in, right? you know, right. so you kind of know what your neighbors are up to because you live in such close proximity. Right. You um, can hear through the walls in most places. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. The walls and ceilings, you know. Right. And, and, you know, with this food stuff, not, not just the canned goods, but other little things, you know, the, the beef jerky, things like that, things that you could just rip open and eat for a snack is, is a big deal. When we get bored, we like to eat. If it's a shit hit the fan situation and you're stuck in that apartment for 30 days, you're going to be eating out of boredom. I guarantee it. Yeah. So definitely having, you know, some snack foods on hand, especially if you have kids is going to be a big deal. And then the, the other thing about snack foods, like stuff, like I'm saying, like you could rip open and, and just start munching on is you're going to have less waste with that stuff. You got to think if you're stuck in that apartment for 30 days, eating canned food, you're accumulating 30 days worth of cans, you know? So definitely the waste side of this is something you need to be thinking about as well. Yes, absolutely. Rationing also, you, you never know how long a situation is going to last. So you can't out eat your supplies. There is such a thing as doing that. You know, you can have a 30 day supply of something and be gone in two and a half weeks. I mean, that that's a very, that's a very uh, doable thing and it doesn't take very long to do it. So you have to decide how much are you, how much am I going to eat today? If I'm going to ration this out, that planning ahead is a big thing. You know, you can't eat everything in one week. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, again, just to wrap up the wrap up the food side of this, like Al said, definitely ration. Have more than what you think you're going to need because you know at the end of the day, nobody knows how long the situation could go for. Canned goods are not bad because they come with hydration. They're ready to eat out of the can, and again, it's your neighbors are not going to bat an eye to you carrying in canned goods. Okay. Um. So we talked about getting the food in. Now let's talk about getting the food out. All right, because that that's a big deal. Uh, yeah. Let's face it, you're stuck in your apartment for 30 days. You're going to have to take a shit. You're not going to shit in a bucket and throw it out the window. That's nope. not going to be a thing. Nope. Um, a lot of people don't realize your toilet itself is a trap, okay? All you need to flush that toilet is a bucket of water in that sucker, and it'll flush. So if you have, if you have one of these water bobs or if you have some extra five-gallon buckets, things you could fill up with water, and you could continuously refill the back of the toilet tank, and you know you just have that water there to keep flushing you're not going to want excrement just sitting in your toilet the whole time that you're there it's going to drive you nuts having the ability to keep that apartment a little bit fresher if you're stuck there being able to flush that toilet for a time is you're, you're going to enjoy that i promise right and then and there, there is the golden it's, rule it's if nasty. it's yellow leave it mellow if it's brown flush it down i mean i'm, I'm sure right. everybody's heard that before <laughs> Right. And, and not only that, Jester, not only is it, it you're going to have to go sooner or later, 
it's nasty. It, it breeds germs in an area. You you know, if you have the water, I'm not talking about drinking water. I'm talking about just water, any water, rainwater, dirt water, whatever that you can do to try to manually flush a toilet and try to get whatever it is out of, out of your living area, you're doing a good thing. If you can possibly go somewhere that's not in your living area, that's an excellent thing too. That may not be doable, but I guess what I'm trying to get is saying is you're going to have to go sooner or later. Try not to go in your living area. Don't be a don't be a pig and go in other people's living areas, but try not to go in your living area. I mean, I think we'll all forgive you when the apocalypse is over if you might have gone someplace other than where you were living at. Okay, it's it's have yeah having to go number one and number two both is a, is a big problem and. Everybody's got to do it. Just wait two or three hours. Something's going to happen. I promise you. Somebody in the family's got to have to go. So it's oh, that's, yeah, a, that's abs- a big topic. Absolutely. It's a big topic. It's a huge topic right there. You could spend literally. We could spend hours on this shit. I mean, yeah, on this on this idea, but <laughs> but it's true. It's 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 a it's an ongoing thing in the whole prepping community. What's the right etiquette? But etiquette's not going to make any difference when an actual bad situation happens because you have to get rid of it. Everybody has to do it and you have to find a good place to do it and try to keep it out of your living area to keep germs and infection and just stench out. You know, and and for anybody out there that's kind of thinking to themselves, well, what would cause me to not be able to flush the toilet? Let's just address that really quickly. Number one, if the grid goes down and you're not able to pump water. Uh, the other thing is, is if the grid goes down and you you live in an area that gets cold in the winter and your water lines freeze up, you're not going to be able to flush that toilet. Okay. If, if it's a, um, if it's a man-made created martial law event, they may shut off municipalities to gain control of people. That could be a thing. All right. So there's, there's a lot of different instances where you may not have water. Okay. And Another thing to think about with this is water lines do break. It, it happens all the time with municipal water. The water lines break. Some people's water might be out for a day while they're trying to get the repairs done, things like that. If something were to happen while, you know, they're under, under repair, you're just not going to get water. Like if something would happen to where those guys couldn't complete the problem due to a storm, a disaster, something like that, you're going to be stuck. Okay. As far as the water storage, again, for, you know, just the capability of flushing, this is not drinking water. Five-gallon buckets, the water bob would be fine for that. If you have anything else that you can utilize as water storage around your home, hell, you could fill up a damn air mattress with water. You could fill up uh, the tubs that we all store our Christmas decorations in. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you could utilize for water storage. Any waterproof container, if you think something's coming, fill it up. It's not going to make your water bill go through the roof, and you could always dump it back down the drain if disaster doesn't happen. Any water is better than no water. Even dirty water, that's not particularly water that you want to drink. You can make drinkable, but you're going to have to have water to do certain things. I hear people all the time say, I only need a gallon of water a day is all they say. Well, I said that's a gallon to drink. How are you going to wash your hands? Eventually, wash your hind end, wash dishes, you know, anything like this, you know, washing clothes. I mean, Jester, it's it's a it's a th- it's a bad thing in in prepping that people don't think that they need to wash their hind end, and wash their clothes, and wash their dishes. They think they can continually keep using them. That is what breeds disease, and that's what brought down well killed almost half the world back in the days back when the Black Plague was around. Is filth and dirt and nastiness and infection. So 
this whole thing, every, every part of prepping fits into another part of prepping. Water to drink fits into water to flush down excrement, which leads to what do I need to eat, which leads to what do I need to drink. So it all fits in together. If you understand prepping, you understand everything is intertwined into the other part. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And I mean, let's um, let's touch on that too real quick. So in the event you don't have water, Hygiene is going to be a big issue, okay? Having a little bit of water to brush your teeth, having the baby wipes around in case you got to take a baby wipe shower because you don't have running water, having plenty of hand sanitizer around, having extra soap around, things like that are going to be beneficial, all right? I agree. It's not, it's not going to hurt you at all to have a few extra rolls of toilet paper. I think a lot of the prepper community already has that pretty dialed in. But a lot of people kind of forget about the baby wipes. Guys, these things are pretty cheap. They stack flat, all right? As long as the uh, the container of them is not punctured, they stay moist and they're going to be fine. Uh, definitely one of the good things to have around, okay? You, even if you can't shower, you're going to feel a lot better after wiping yourself down with one of those as opposed to nothing. I agree. I you agree. know. I agree. And anytime that you can get cleaned up in a, in a bad situation, even you take people that have hurricanes and tornadoes come through and just their devastation, just being able to get some clean clothes on a shower makes a whole difference in their entire life. So if that's that kind of situation, what would be with you if your the grid was down for two months? I mean, it makes a lot to do with people's mental uh, stability just a shower and some clean clothes or just being able to get hygienically cleaned up a little bit. You know, it, it works on the human mind, believe me or not. These have been techniques that people have used over the years to break people down mentally in situations where they might want to, you know, extract information from people. It does work. It, that, that <laughs> I've heard of that before, you know. Oh, no, I, I got you. Um, so since we're on the, since we're kind of coming out of the hygiene side of this and we were talking about disease and filth and things like that, do understand that pretty much everybody that's in an apartment isn't going to have access or be able to run a generator to keep the refrigerators cool, right? Right. So that's where you would want to start as far as consuming your food. Start with what's in the fridge, start with what's in the freezer if possible. I understand certain things in the freezer, you might need to cook them and you might not eat you might not have power, but we're going to get into that in a minute here. But you're going to want to be able to get those things out of the fridge first that are that are going to rot, that are going to smell, and you're going to want to get rid of them, guys. Having an extra roll of garbage bags around that's in your stockpile is going to be a very good thing to have, okay? Just have a thing of garbage bags in your stockpile because you're going to accumulate waste while you're in there for a period of time, and you're going to want to get the things out of there that are going that are going bad within the fridge. I would think there wouldn't be too many scenarios where you would physically be stuck in your apartment. Um, but even if you are and you got to like, you know, put that food in that garbage bag and toss it out the window just to get rid of it, it's going to be better than having that sitting in there and rotting. Okay. Right. And I know, I know a lot of us are guilty of shit. I got one garbage bag left. I got to run to the store. Well, right. in a shit hits the fan situation, you're not going to have that luxury. So having an extra, you know, couple dollar bag of garbage bags in there isn't going to hurt. I agree with you. And, you know, Jester, there are techniques during a bad situation where you might say, I can't eat all this up that might spoil. Maybe you could 
work with someone else around you to say, listen, this is going to ruin. Maybe I could share this with you. Maybe you could share something with me. The barter and trade type of thing. Instead of losing something, because you say, I can't eat all this. I'm going to hoard it up and I'm going to eat it all. I can't eat it all. It's going to go bad on me in a day or so. Maybe you could barter and trade with others. So take the disadvantage and make it an advantage. Maybe you didn't stock up on enough hygiene things. Maybe you have some extra food. This is those situations where you have to start thinking a little differently than you think every day. Don't just think about yourself. Think about what you can do and what others can do for you. Try to use your resources to the best of your advantage. And that's not what people like to think about a lot. But you're right with the extra garbage bags. If you're going to have to throw something away, don't leave it there and get rid of it. But if you can find a way to make it useful for you in the end, that's at your advantage too. You know, in, and with this, I know a lot of people, a lot of people in apartments have pets, specific pets that like to shit in a box. Okay? Absolutely. So <laughs> having the garbage bags to be able to empty the litter box and extra litter around is going to be beneficial too if you do have pets. Don't forget about the pets, yep. having a little bit of pet food. I know where I'm at, it's different. My cats are outside. My dogs are outside. Like they're, they're outside. I don't have to worry about, you know, keeping the shit box clean for them. But if you're in an apartment, that is going to be something that you're going to need to do. Uh, so just don't, don't forget, don't forget about that aspect guys, you know, definitely keep that one, uh, definitely keep that one in mind, you know? And, and for you people that are in apartments and stuff, as you're prepping, whether you're at the beginning, the middle or, or your experienced prepper, don't forget to prep for your pets because you don't know how many people don't do that, okay? They think about themselves, but they never think about the pet. Well, if you're going to keep the pet <laughs> during the bad times, you're going to have to prep for them because your food is frankly going to be very valuable to you. So you need to prep some extra dry food or whatever. You know, I heard somebody say one time, my dog wouldn't eat, my dog won't eat dry food. He only eats wet. I said, when Rover gets hungry enough, Rover ate eat anything, including you. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you, you have to prep for the pet if you're going to keep it, and the pet might be an advantage for you. If you have a dog that's a service animal, of course you'd want to take care of it. Of course, you know that's a service animal to you. But your dog can be, become a service animal because he might be your early warning to let you know someone else is around. So by taking care of your pet and prepping for them, it could be a huge advantage for you in a bad situation. Right, and you know I. Something, two things I did want to touch on, and I, you know, guys, when we worked, when I brought up doing this episode to Al, I was on the fence whether this would be two parts or not, and I'm still not sure if we're going to get everything out in this episode, so bear with us. <laughs> yeah, bear with Oh, um, but there's, they should have, there's... Well, I'm sorry, Jester. I was just going to say, we should let everybody know that's a new listener, that we don't discuss these topics ahead of time. So I have no idea what Jester's going to say, and he has no idea what I'm going to say. Because that's how we do this. We don't discuss our topics. So he doesn't know how I'm thinking. And I don't know how he's thinking. We just pick a topic and we go from there. So right. that's the reason why it's kind of, it, if it sounds like it's unrehearsed, it is for it you. It makes it more exciting, advantage. in my opinion. Yeah, for your advantage, it's... for the listener's advantage. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But honestly, it's it's fun for me, not knowing how you're going to re react to something that I say and vice versa. To me, it makes it more right. entertaining to do the show, honestly. Right. <laughs> Right. And it's not a competition. Don't get that anyway, anybody twisted, folks. It's about he has a way of thinking about things that I have a way. Neither way is right or wrong. We just hope that you get the best of both informations out of it. 
So when you say, ooh, sounds like they um, didn't know what the other was going to say. Yeah, we don't. That's for your advantage, not ours. We could talk prepping all day long, but we pick a topic oh, yeah. and we don't talk about it. That way you get not just one take on it, you get two takes on it. That's the advantage of this podcast right here. Oh, absolutely. I just want to interject that because some people that are newer listeners might, you know, think, oh, it doesn't sound like they've rehearsed. Then no, we don't rehearse. We don't do that no, at all. Don't. Matter of fact, we try not to talk at all about a situation, you know. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, two things I definitely want to get into with this is apartment cooking and power needs. Uh, those right. are two two big things, and I, I feel like we should start with power. So how I mentioned, you're not going to have access to a generator or not be able to you know hook a generator up within your apartment. I'm not saying that's not possible. We have some electrician wizards out there who are preppers that might figure out a way to do this, and it is, right. it is possible. I could figure out a way um, as long as I had that dryer hookup you know, that 220 where the stove is, something like that, I could make it work. But you're not going to run that generator inside. You may not have a balcony or a yard to put that generator in. And again, it's going to make you a target. All right. Of course. Yes. So this is when the little solar pack uh, generators come into play. As long as you have a window that you could set that panel in to gain some power, having a solar power generator would be great. Even if it's one of the little tiny blocks to be able to, uh, you know, keep your phones charged up, maybe an emergency radio, uh, maybe to power a small TV so you could kind of keep up to date with, you know, bad events that are happening. If, you know, the media is still up and running, right. you know, having these little solar cells, these little power banks, these are going to be a big deal with the apartment prepping. And your walkie-talkies, things like that. You know, I recommend everybody have walkie-talkies, and that solar panel could help, you know, to keep them up. So you can keep a small, short-range communication. Yes, absolutely. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com. D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Right. Now, I mean, we know with uh, a lot of these solar generators, you're not going to be able to run your whole apartment. You know, the the best you're going to be able to do is maybe keep one big appliance running and a bunch of small things running. So maybe you decide, hey, I'm going to keep the fridge cool till it runs out of food and then we're just going to shut that off and then we're going to re-divert this uh the repowering our flashlights or rechargeable lanterns or whatever you guys have having that source of power is going to be an absolute good thing now you do want to be cautious because there's other people that live that live in that apartment you have windows if somebody sees you're the only apartment with power on you've just put a target on yourself and that's yeah. not going to be a good thing no. so uh definitely do do a little bit of research, you know, leave certain lights on at night, walk outside of your apartment, look in your windows, see what, see what rooms would be good or bad to illuminate at night. You know, things like that. Do a little bit of research, find out if you're like, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a solar generator. Well, if you don't have a South facing window, that's getting constant sun all day, there's no point. Absolutely. You might not get enough sun for generation and you're not going to leave this thing sitting outside for someone to steal it. You know, Solar is like lights, Jester. You want the maximum amount with the minimum amount that you have to put into it. It's sort of like lighting. You want to use LEDs because they give you more light for less power to, power to light ratio. 
Same thing with the solar generator. You want to be able to get as much bang as you can for what you have to have and have the right situation for it. Now, I will say this much. If you're going to be using solar, using small LED strips gives you a lot more light for what you need, but you don't need to run 400 of them. If you can get by with one light, use the one light. Keep as much power in your power bank as you possibly can, but you'll find that LED things are very, 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 energy efficient when it comes to having to recharge and things like that so try to use led as much as you can absolutely 100 percent. and then the other part i wanted to get into with this episode was cooking within these apartments okay this is something that honestly scares me a little bit again anybody that's lived in an apartment knows when someone's cooking you could smell it in the hallway mm -hmm. all right Yep. So that's obviously telling somebody you're, you're eating something. Maybe you're more well off than they are. Okay. You're going to have to cook. It's, it's going to smell. Uh, that's going to alert people. If you could potentially seal up the doorway to your apartment, stuff a towel under the door, maybe duct tape the seams, things like that, crack a window open. So the smells not pouring out into the hallway might be a little bit more beneficial, but I wanted to talk about how you're going to cook in an apartment. A lot of every apartment that I've ever been in has had um, electrical uh, cook uh, an electric range. We haven't had gas. We've had, you know, electric stoves and electric ranges. So if the power's out, you're not going to be able to utilize that. Obviously, I highly recommend having sternos for cooking in an apartment. All right. They're not putting out a lot of fumes. You're not going to be able to build a fire within your apartment, obviously. So I highly recommend the sternos and they are ridiculously cheap at the dollar store. You can go down there, pick them up for a dollar. You could have enough to cook every day for a very small budget, right. right? Not, not very expensive. And keep in mind with the sternos, you're going to have to have something to elevate your cookware to, for the sternos. Uh, one thing you could definitely do with this, if you have an electric range, you could pop out those, you could pop out the ranges and pop out the underneath uh, the drip, the drip cover underneath the electric range there. Assuming it's an old school stove and not one of these glass tops, right? Right. right. Um, you can utilize, you could just set that sterno down in there and set your pot right back over it and you've got a way to cook. All right. If you have one of these uh, newer stove that is a glass top, like a flat top, remember, you can always pop that oven open, put the sterno in the oven, set those racks low, and you can cook that way as well. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. It's not going to be as convenient and easy, but it's going to work. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what it matters. It matters that it works because it's for survival. Absolutely. There are there are other things you guys can do. Anybody that follows us on TikTok, uh, someone that's in our group on there is Texas Prepper Mom. You guys saw all the tea light videos she did with uh, the boiling of the water and cooking with the tea lights. That's another big thing that works as well. Tea lights are relatively inexpensive. Stocking up on tea lights, not just for the cooking aspect, but to be able to provide yourself with a little bit of light is going to be a good thing, too. So definitely one good stock thing, up on those. One good thing that I can say that that if you're going to be cooking over a sternal type of situation, they're very efficient. They're, they don't give off a lot of fumes. They're great to use. A lot of people don't think of this, but cast iron is great because cast iron holds heat for a long period of time. You literally can get a cast iron uh, pan hot and it'll stay hot for two or three hours. They're, they're kind of hard to warm up, but as they warm up, they stay warm. The perfect situation I always said for me in a grid down is like a sterno type of fire with a Dutch oven with a cast iron top, you know, and a cast iron 
you know, stove itself to be able to cook in because it holds so much heat and it continues to heat. So for some of you that are in apartment type dwelling, that may sound like something that you've never used before, cast iron or not used much of. But think about the last time you cooked with a cast iron skillet. If you just sit to the side, it's still warm a couple hours down the road. Most other type of cookware, it's cold in 30 minutes. You can put your hand on or pick it up, whatever you need to do. So you might want to invest in some good cast iron, especially like a Dutch oven. That way, if you did have to cook with a minimum amount of heat, it would hold the heat in longer. That's just my take on it. Right. Absolutely. Um... <laughs> I blew you out of the water, didn't I? No, I'm just like thinking in my head, I have so much more information. There's no way we're going to get all this done no. in a part one. <laughs> no, there's not. But actually, that's a good thing. Because just for a lot of these ideas that we're saying for apartment dwellers, not just for apartments, this is for people in townhouses, a lot of urban people. Jester, I know tons of people that live in urban areas that have houses, but my God, their neighbor is so close. They're like being in an apartment. So this will apply to some other people that aren't just apartment dwellers. But me and you are doing what we started out doing in the beginning, which is giving good prepper information for people that they can use. Maybe they're not in the same situation, but they can turn around and use it for their their personal situation. Absolutely. And, and one more thing I'd like to hit on uh, with this cast iron thing. Guys, remember, if you're in an apartment and you're, you're bugging in and you're not bugging out, that having that cast iron, it's not like it's something you have to take with you. Right. So if you're think if you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't want to have that heavy cast iron because I might plan to leave. Well, if you're not leaving, you don't have to carry it. So it being there is going to be just fine. Right. I agree. Not I agree. not a big deal. And the other thing with cast iron is I know everybody has their own prerogative on how to clean cast iron. Some people say, you know, you just wipe it down, you just scrape it real good, you don't actually wash it, this, that, the other. So if you if you do live by that rule of you just wipe this out and you don't physically wash it in the sink, that is less water consumption. I agree. So I would agree. would potentially be better in the event that there is no water. But yeah, we're we're definitely going to come back for a part two on this episode, guys. I hate to do it to you, but there is so much more information to get out because a big thing I really wanted to get into that we're going to get into next week is one thing you one common thing I've seen that I live as I was living in an apartment over the years was uh, you have a lot of disabled people that live in apartments. Okay. Like physically disabled. A lot of people live in apartments because it's an easier form of living. They don't have lawn maintenance. They don't have all these extra things that come with home ownership. Right. So that's a big side of this is you got to think of what percentage of the population is living in apartments specifically because they're disabled. So what are your neighbors got going on around you? Right. And that's where we're going to pick up part two of this show. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm good with that because I, I got a lot more information. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we also our, our, our listeners, they need to get with us this week. If they have a topic or something they see that we're not bringing up in this to get with us and let us know so we can get it in. I mean, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And guys, a good way to do that is to reach out to us on TikTok. The, me and Al are very active over on the TikTok, right? You could find right. me on there at It's Doomsday Podcast 2.0. You could find Al over there at big underscore daddy underscore prep. And guys, the emails have been pretty consistent. I've been getting some emails. I know, I know I'm not responding to all of them, guys. It gets a little bit hard when, when I'm getting a lot of them. But it's doomsday podcast at gmail.com if you guys want to reach out to us. And I don't know, Al, you got anything you want to add before we get out of here? 
Uh, only thing I want to say is I want to thank everybody that have have been followers and listeners, not only to social media, but on here with us, because they're what drives this. We don't drive any kind of income from this or anything else. So we do this. And to know that you're listening, that means a lot to us. So every once in a while, drop in a line, give it a comment, just letting us know that you're there. Give it a like. That means a lot to us because we actually know we're making a little change in the world. Oh, absolutely. And I've been having a lot of people reach out to me lately uh, that have been catching the show and they've been reaching out to me on TikTok like, hey, dude, I caught this episode. It was great. I love it. Or I'll have somebody pop into one of my TikTok lives and they're like, oh, dude, I just listened to this one episode. It was awesome. And I love the show. You and Al are awesome. Um, so we're getting we're definitely getting good feedback, guys, which it's great. We love the good feedback. It's awesome. Right. Right. And if All you right, have negative that- feedback. You can keep that, okay? Yeah, yeah. Keep the negative. We don't need <laughs> you that. You can keep the negative. We don't. We don't need it. <laughs> All right, guys. We got a pot full. Well, we're going to be back next week with apartment survival part two, and when we get into that episode, we're going to start off with the handicap side of this, the disabled side of this. It's 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 very important. There's going to be a lot to cover. is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.